grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And then Jesus told his disciples this parable. He told them that they should always pray, never give up praying, and do not lose heart. This is the very word of our God as it is found for us this day in Luke chapter 18. Why does God call us to pray? And what's the purpose and the value of prayer? And if God is good and we know He is, why does He withhold good things from us until we ask? And what does it mean when He says, you have not because you have asked not? You know, almost everyone prays in the face of danger, trouble, sickness. But apart from those things, how many people regularly pray? You know, Jesus was a man of prayer. He prayed in many different places, many different times. He went to a desolate place, a quiet place to pray. And He taught His disciples, as He teaches us, to watch and pray. And never to lose heart. So the question is, who is losing heart? Who is becoming discouraged in their prayer life? I think a lot of times we as Christians, uh, we become discouraged. We see what's happening in our world today. We see what's happening as Christianity is under attack from all sides. And the temptation is to lose heart. You know, we pray and we pray and we pray persistently. And sometimes God seems distant and removed. Today's Gospel lesson speaks about praying and not losing heart. And yet, sometimes it seems that, that help from God is unduly delayed. But God invites us always to seek His help. He seeks to help us for Christ's sake. And He even tells us, that we should come unto Him. He invites us to pray in times of trouble, to pray and to praise, and always give Him thanks. You know, last Sunday in our lesson, our Gospel lesson, ten people who had leprosy were healed. And only one of them returned to give thanks to the giver. In today's lesson, we run across a widow. Scripture reference, really, this widow is a nobody. And what little she does have, she's being ripped off. Yet, she doesn't despair. She doesn't lose heart. She continues to put her faith and her trust in God. Her faith is alive and well. And the widow of this parable, what does she do? She comes to a judge as her last and only hope. Unfortunately, in those days, just like today, many were denied justice. Many were corrupt judges. Many of these judges were appointed by the evil King Herod. Before this judge, she pleads. But the judge could care less about her. The judge could not only care less about her, but this judge was corrupt, and he even laughed and he even boasted about his corruption. You've got to ask yourself, what year was this written? Sounds like today, doesn't it? 
picture the scene. The widow approaches the judge in his courtroom to get a hearing. He doesn't listen. She doesn't give up. She persists. She approaches him on the street. And then she even goes so far as to approach him at his house. Nothing seems to stop her from seeking justice from her enemy, from her adversary. And finally, the judge can't stand it any longer. He doesn't care about the widow. He doesn't care about her family or her property. He only cares about himself. And so finally, to get her to stop bothering him, he grants her request. And so what does Jesus point out as the result of this parable? He says, if such a corrupt judge will hear the earnest pleading of a woman for whom he has little or no regard, how much more will your Father in heaven hear his children? Hear his children whom he loves and for whom he sent his only Son. So if you have your Bibles with you today, take a look now at Luke chapter 18, beginning with verse 7. Here in verse 7, Jesus asks this rhetorical question. He says, will not God give justice to his children? And will he delay long? Interesting question. Jesus answers his own question in the next verse, in verse 8, where he says, I tell you, he will give them justice, and he will do it speedily. You know, how different is the grace of God compared to human sinful nature as seen in this judge. Again, the judge's decision was forced. It was a selfish decision on his part. God, on the other hand, willingly and selflessly loves us and gives us a promise. God loved the world so much that He would freely give us His own Son to free us from our sins, to give us eternal life. The judge, on the other hand, is self-centered. God, on the other hand, is trustworthy. And the bottom line is this. God wants us to pray to Him. God wants us to continually pray, to never lose heart. He wants us to look to Him like this widow that we might feel our utter need of His help and draw near to Him as our only hope our only refuge, our only strength. Think about it, as this widow persisted in her pleas, the Son of God, Jesus, persisted in winning your salvation. Think about how tempting it must have been for Jesus in face of all of the criticism, in face of the taunts, in face of everything that He faced, to give it all up and to say it's not worth it. But Jesus persisted in love to win your salvation and my salvation. See, the good news is, is that the one who is the judge, the King of kings, and the ultimate judge, He goes to the cross on your behalf and mine. The judgment for our sins was laid on Him. In this parable, the earthly judge can't stand the pleading of the woman. Ultimately, he doesn't care. The judge only thought about himself in his own ease. But in Jesus Christ, 
we know that God cares for us. We know that He listens to the prayers of His people. In fact, God invites us in these wonderful words from Matthew. Come unto me, all you who are what? Weary and burdened down, as we heard Grace speak about when she was ten years old. Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened down with the troubles of this life. Weary and burdened down with your sins. And I'll give you the kind of rest that you can't find in this world. The kind of rest that comes from knowing that you belong to me. The widow came before the judgment seat without a friend. She didn't have any kind of attorney there with her, defense attorney, to plead her case. But in Christ, we have the ultimate friend. I mean, in Jesus, we have the ultimate defense attorney who is forever interceding before us, for us before the throne of mercy. You know, often I use this illustration with my confirmation class. Picture Judgment Day. And picture that Roger Hill's on trial. And uh, who's the prosecuting attorney that wants to get you in trouble and get you sent down there? The devil. Now, if Roger knows what's good for him, he'd probably keep his mouth shut. So, you know, the prosecuting attorney on Judgment Day is who? The devil. And the devil, he's got all of your sins listed on this uh, roll of paper. I don't know. He knows every one of them. He rolls them out before the judge. And who is the judge? Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the devil really doesn't play fair. The devil picks up God's Word and he says, Your Honor, right here it says, The soul that sins, it shall die. Your case looks pretty helpless. Hopeless. Who's going to act as your defense attorney? At this point, Jesus comes down off the bench puts his arm around you. He offers up one thing in your defense. He holds up his hands and he says to your honor, the Father, he says, your honor, you see these nail marks? I died for this man named Roger Hill. I died for all the people in this room. And Lord, they put their faith and their trust in me. That's what real faith is all about. They trust in what I did for them there on Calvary's cross. At this point, Jesus comes back up to the judgment seat. He takes out his gavel. He slams it down and he says, I therefore declare you not guilty. You are free. Your sins are forgiven. Welcome, welcome into eternity. Again, think about the judge. The widow came with no one to defend her. Thank goodness we have one who defends us. The widow came without any promise to encourage her, but much to discourage her. But Jesus assures us of what? Whatsoever you ask, whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, having faith, you shall receive. The widow came without one plea, with no merit of her own. There was no mention of her widowhood. There was no mention of her children. There was no mention of the wickedness of her adversary. And so it is in Christ, we too come without one plea. We come with no merit of our own. 
as we cast ourselves wholly on the love of Christ. You know, you've got to love that hymn, don't you? Just as I am. Without one plea. Jesus shed His blood for me. The widow obtained her request because she persisted in the court, in the street, and even at the judge's house. She persisted. We must remember that our persistence in prayer is not work righteousness. That would imply somehow that it is our doing, our persistence, that brings God's blessings. Again, we need to remember that God's grace is always the starting point. It starts with God. It always starts with God. Persevere and you will be blessed is not gospel. It is not the Word of God. Our action, our perseverance, as Grace said, is a response to what God has already done for us in Jesus Christ, who will grant justice, justice quickly and willingly, not because of our perseverance, but because of God's gracious nature, because of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Now, of course, having said that, the world uh, doesn't like that thought. The world somehow believes that it's what they do, their persistence, their perseverance, that earns God's grace. You ever heard of the expression, the squeaky wheel gets the grease? On the farm, we had squeaky wheels all the time. A squeaky wheel means you better get out there and grease it. Sometimes people think that's the way God works. Now we're saved not because of our persistence, but by the grace of God. It is God's grace that empowers us to persevere. Perseverance grows out of a trust in God's grace. Even when God's activity in our life sometimes seems to be hidden. You know, there are days in our life when we look at what's happening in our nation. We look at what's happening in our own lives. And we say to ourselves, how much more can we take? And of course, God tells us, my grace is what? My grace is sufficient. And how much more quickly God is there beside us. With us always. Even far more than we could ever imagine or ever perceive. You know, sometimes when we're going through troubles, people around us give us the advice, what do they say? Hang in there. I want to say to them, I can't hang in there. I can't. And the fact of the matter is, you and I can't hang in there. The only reason we can hang in there is because one has already hung in there for us. Jesus persisted in giving His life and faith and love to you and me. He persisted in loving us all the way to the cross, all the way to the empty tomb and beyond. And He's the one who will empower us to face all sorts of injustices. Remember, God is there in every struggle, in every trial. He is there holding on to you, giving you new life, giving you a hope and a future. By the grace of God, we are blessed. And by the grace of God, we will persevere. In His name we ask it. Amen.
Heavenly Father, we thank You again today as You remind us that You persisted. Your great love took You all the way to the cross and to the empty tomb for us, for our salvation. Help us, Lord, to respond to Your great love by telling others that there is a hope and a future. Empower us by Your Holy Spirit uh, to keep on praying and to never give up and to never lose heart. And we thank You today, Lord, for our prayer ministry here at Christ our King. Those who are organizing it. Those who are working behind the scenes uh, to help us persist in prayer and never to lose heart. We pray and we ask this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen.